and thank you for joining me for quite excellent episode number 65. Today's poem is by Polish poet Tadeusz Dabrowski, translated by Antonia Lloyd-Jones, titled Letter. I found it in the October 26, 2020 edition of The New Yorker, where it was originally published. I'm looking forward to seeing how students approach it. It shares qualities with some of the previous short stories we've read in class, where narrators may not be providing an accurate account of what is happening. But before we explore letter, we need to explore our previous poem a little bit. Now we got to start by listening to it. So here's Tracy K. Smith's The Good Life, read by me this time. The Good Life by Tracy K. Smith. When some people talk about money, they speak as if it were a mysterious lover who went out to buy milk and never came back. And it makes me nostalgic for the years I lived on coffee and bread, hungry all the time, walking to work on payday like a woman journeying for water from a village without a well, then living one or two nights like everyone else on roast chicken and red wine. Well, there is no surprise that I got a lot of really cool stuff from students today, and I want to start by considering what they had to say about money being a mysterious lover. A student writes that they speak as if it were a mysterious lover who went out to buy milk and never came back. This start to the poem. It shows that some people think of money as something as important as a lover that leaves them forever. It's spoken about like it's a rare substance, like gold. Another student says that this part suggests that people want money and cannot have enough of it, but it disappears mysteriously, which another student seems to agree with. They say that money, like a mysterious lover, comes and goes back and forth. One student writes that it gives the audience a sense of abandonment and rejection, similar to what people feel knowing they don't have enough money in life. And this leads me to those students who explored what money can provide. One student wrote that we often take food for granted, but it is hard for many people to obtain. The poem's visual imagery then makes the effort obtain these basic items a little bit more clear. The line, like a woman journeying for water from a village without a well, describes, according to a student, how she had so little and had to labor or journey to gain such a small amount. And a student correctly notes that this is a simile, and it functions by showing that a lack of money caused her not to take it for granted because she worked so hard for it. But, of course, an essential part of this poem is the fact that the speaker uses the money she makes to purchase luxuries. And a number of students wanted to explore this. One writes that saying, then living one or two nights like everyone else on roast chicken and red wine, the speaker describes briefly living with the luxuries that other people can afford and feeling grateful to fit in because she knows what it is like to live without enough. Another writes that these are a reward for working so hard and having something to relax with and really live the good life. Another suggests that one or two nights of supposed normalcy come from this red wine and chicken. It's something that could easily be taken for granted by someone in a different position. It's an indulgence for her for now, and it'll be savored and celebrated thoroughly. One student had a great kind of extended analysis of this luxuriating that the speaker does. So I'm going to read an extended passage of that student's response. They pointed to where it says, walking to work on payday like a woman journeying for water from a village without a well, that it shows the speaker has a need for money that can be similar to the need for water. It's something that is essential in life. 
She then explains how the next few days after payday feel luxurious compared to when there's that need for money. Quote, living one or two nights like everyone else on roast chicken and wine. And at the same time, she shows how people take money for granted, always thinking there's going to be enough. When some people might view roast chicken and wine as something ordinary, others might see it as something to be thankful for. Now, a couple students saw these luxuries as something else, not just an opportunity to enjoy something, but also a demonstration that maybe this poem is talking about how money is something that is easy to waste once it's acquired, and then it's so easily gone after that. And I think there's some real merit to that. But for the most part, students tended to see this spending as more celebratory, more positive than that. So I want to explore some of those other readings. One writes that when Smith says it makes me nostalgic, that implies that she wasn't actually upset by being poor. Another writes that when she says it makes me nostalgic for the years I lived on coffee and bread, it shows that she has sort of missed the time when she would live on coffee and bread, even though she did not have much money. She was still happy. Others agree in one writing that she feels nostalgic towards a time when she clearly lacked the resources needed to live, maybe because she feels a sense of pride in what she's achieved because of how far she's come. And here's an extended response. A student writes that she emphasizes how even though she was struggling to make ends meet, she still considered what she had enough to live a happy and fulfilling life. Nostalgia implies a happy memory of the past, something you're reminiscing on, not something that you disliked. And the fact that she was reminiscing about living on coffee and bread meant that although she was not living a luxurious life, she was happy. And then that she dines one or two nights on roast chicken and red wine. It suggests that spending her paycheck on luxuries, to her, it's, it's worthwhile. This suggests that even though she was in a state of poverty, that she was still living life to the fullest and was enjoying it even though she was making her future endeavors a little bit harder. One more extended student response. The student writes that the author implies that having less can add more value and appreciation to the little things you can possess. Smith talks about being nostalgic for the years when she understood the value of objects such as coffee and bread. The use of nostalgic conveys that even though she didn't have enough, she felt connected to a community in which everyone understood the value of hard work. The metaphor, a woman journeying for water in a village without a well, it suggests that even though she's struggling, there's a whole village of people going through something very similar. It's a very thoughtful and careful, mature consideration of that nostalgia. Now, there's always odds and ends, of course, and I love the odds and ends. And I had one student who wanted to talk about uh, syntax. It's a brief mention, but I thought it was pretty good. Uh, the student talks a little bit about how the poem uses a brief aside. So it says, hungry all the time, within commas, and it's short might not even be necessary, even. But the student writes that it gives a feeling of having a small amount because it's using a small number of words to express it, which is really cool. A nice short expression for a short quantity, a limited quantity of available goods. Yeah, that's cool. Other students explored some other things like tone and figurative language. One writes that Smith talks about the hardships of life with an accepting attitude, which totally fits in with that reading of nostalgia that other students read. And then one last response that is again extended. A student writes that Smith uses a friendly tone to describe her past life struggles, softening the severity of her situation. The poem reads almost as though you were speaking with a friend. Similes in the poem look like attempts at humor. Mysterious lover who went out to buy milk and never came back. It could be seen as a light joke, 
as the term out to buy milk is generally used somewhat humorously and adds to the friendly tone as the occasional joke it maintains a light mood when you're talking to a friend and the speaker wants to ignore what happened maybe and by speaking to us about it more in a positive tone she's also soothing herself over this potentially difficult period in her life what lovely analysis i'm not sure what else i can ask for it's so good makes me pretty excited for what comes next and that brings us to our next poem it's a letter by tadeusz dobrowski this poem could be considered a narrative poem if you want to be specific about genre these are poems that have all the elements of a story as a main character that has something that they want a conflict related to the difficulty of achieving it in a setting where events can occur but an essential question is this how real is this narrative this question requires us to explore others is the setting a place it's the house that's mentioned or is it the setting an idea is the quest to a faraway airport actually something that's undertaken or is it just the imagination of someone who has seen too many romantic movies if the story we are told is real where is the conflict if the story isn't real if the narrative isn't real does that make the conflict more real because the events of the story never occurred questions are a lovely way to explore a poem and i encourage you to ask a couple before you decide how to write ask yourself why does it do that why is the title simply letter and why is that letter referenced so many times why is the life being described as a coloring book what does the meanwhile towards the end reveal it feels like a shift doesn't it a suggestion that two things are happening simultaneously what are those two things there's also a bunch of interesting figurative language to explore similes metaphors hyperbole understatement there's juxtaposition in here and some interesting syntax variations those short sentences at the end feel so different than the middle of the poem but surprisingly similar to the very first sentence oh there is good work to be done here students i can't wait to see what questions you'll decide to explore our writing task for this week is another opportunity for us to work on an essential element of an effective writer sentence variety one way we keep our writing fresh is by trying to avoid accidental repetition that can make our readers bored one way we do this is to look at the first words of each sentence to see if they can benefit from revision your task for this week is to do just this and to be sure that every sentence in your paragraph starts differently no two sentences should start with the same word this may seem difficult but think about all the different ways you can revise a sentence by moving different elements around the possibilities are almost endless our secret passphrase is another essential term for writing about poetry like a professional like well you guys have been we've talked about how we should refer to the narrators within poems as the speaker well what do you do when the speaker is talking to someone like this one this poem opens and closes with references to a you that the speaker is directly addressing well we have a term for that the name of the character within a poem that is receiving the narrator's address is the listener this is our secret passphrase for the week use the listener in your response to refer to the person who has sent a letter and is being talked to by the speaker here is Taddeus Dabrowski's poem, Letter, read by Reed English teacher Terry DeBarger. Letter 
by Taddeus Dabrowski. Yesterday, I sent you a letter. And today on the phone, you tell me you are pregnant. I pack up and return. You greet me at the airport. You're even lovelier than in my letter that's on its way to you. We build a house. Our child grows. Our parents shrink. Then a few years of sweat and tears in which we prudently pickle cabbage and gherkins for the ever colder days. In the coloring book of our life, there are fewer and fewer blank spaces. The crayons grow shorter. We try to be precise, but even so, we go over the lines. We busy ourselves with everyday matters, and our paths are ever deeper. They start to look like tunnels. Meanwhile, my letter's on its way to you. You'll open it when it suits you best. A paragraph responding to this prompt is due on the Friday that ends this week, and your two replies to other students are due on the Wednesday after. Students, be sure to use the phrase, the listener, in your responses, as this is our secret passphrase. The writing task? It's to ensure that no two sentences in your response start the same way. And don't forget to make use of our previous writing tasks for quality writing. Include a claim with a clear what and how. Provide a basic summary before you start exploring evidence. Use the poet's last name by itself once you've used their full name, and use the slashes if you need a quotation that starts in one line and ends in another. I also saw some students starting to use brackets and ellipses in response to our last poem. I'd love to see you all flex those muscles a bit here, now that we have a bit more practice in using them. If you enjoy this podcast, have suggestions, want to provide a reading, or would like the class to direct their eyes toward a particular poem or poetic device, leave a comment on LeidenTeaches.com or on Twitter. I am at LeidenTeaches. The content of this podcast is used as a companion to class instructional activities, and ownership of these texts remain with their stated authors. Thank you for joining me for episode 65 of this podcast. I hope that between now and the next time you hear from me, discover and savor a few things that you yourself find quite excellent.